Welcome to the Imago Day Eastside Podcast. I am Alexandria. For those of you who do not know me, I have the privilege of being a member here at Eastside. I work with the women's ministry team. I have been a stranger in many places, a guest in many services, but I'm happy to stand here as family. I'm happy to stand here as your friend. I've sat with you, we've laughed together, we've cried together. We, I know you all, and that feels so different than any place that I've been in. And I'm just really excited to share with you all what God has given me. But Quincy does this thing that he was encouraging me to do and give like some updates and some family updates. So the last time I was up here, I was really pregnant and could not breathe. I still can't breathe, but that's because I'm doing too much walking around. But last time I was really pregnant, and as you all see, I've had Apollos now, so we had him October 26th. Auntie Nisi has him. Thank God for family. That's Auntie Nisi. And he came a week early, totally unexpected. The, the birth story was crazy. If you want to talk about it, we could talk about it later. Um, Pastor Mike and Davia had to take our older two boys for us because our family couldn't get here yet. And I mean, it was just, it's been a whirlwind, but in a good way. He has brought so much joy and love to our home. Our boys love him. That is Kalel's baby. Kalel's my oldest son. That is his baby. Okay, he tells me how I should take care of him. Uh, Four-year-olds, right? But I do want to give special thanks to a few people. Um, Heather, Claire Marie, Angela Borges, Brandy Stokes, Destiny, Uncle Ruben, um, in the season of welcoming in a third baby and Quincy being in his PhD program, it is the busiest we've ever been. And these people have not just looked at us, but they came and they sat with me. They held my baby. They let me sleep. They've cooked me dinner. They've cleaned my house. I have never outside of family, and even within family, I've never experienced community like this where people just love on you and they say, it's okay, your house is a mess, I'm still coming. They bring you groceries without asking. Destiny sat, where's Des? Destiny sat with me and we watched Christmas movies. We, I just don't want to talk. Just, y'all know I love Christmas. So you just came over and we watched Christmas movies. So I just want to say to all of you who gave us gifts, for all of you who pray for us, for all of you who have been patient with us during this season of transition, thank you. We love you from our family and please keep our family in your prayers. And so my second quick update is more personal. Um, I have gone back to work. A few people have asked me that. I am back to work full time, but not um, in the same way. So last year, I did an associate's program through the Oregon Federal Executive Board. It's a leadership program for federal employees. And at the end of that program, I was approached by the heads of that, um, the OFEB to become the deputy director of the Oregon Federal Executive Board. Now, when they first asked me, I said, heck no, because I just had a baby. Quincy's in a PhD program, and I am not trying to come from maternity leave and go to a new job. And also, why me? Because that's weird. But after making a beautiful mistake of telling Quincy the, about the offer, <laughs> um, he did as best friends do, and he pushed me and reminded me, and then I had to go through and remember that throughout that program, although it was only a year, I showed up every single time that I was truly myself, that I was confident in myself, and that I actually am qualified for this. So I am currently the acting deputy director of the Oregon Federal Executive Board. I am. 
can go. And, and I mean, and I'm looking at Alonzo for this because another black woman told me that that is such a major thing in the federal government. But even at my age, it's a major thing too. There's just so many layers. And I just want, this is not, has nothing to do with my sermon, but I just want for those of you, when you are presented with opportunities and your first mind is to doubt, pull out your resume if you have to. Write down your skills, your experiences, and then weigh the options. Don't just doubt because you think you're not good enough. Really take the time to examine. So, okay, I'm done with all our updates. So let's get into uh, what I believe God that has for me for you all today. So if you've been here with us the past few weeks, you know that we're in our sermon series, um, The Season of Repentance, Seven Deadly Sins. And the hope of this, uh, this series is not just to leave us in places of shame and hurt, but it's for us to examine ourselves, find those areas where we need to invite Jesus, and be reminded of his sacrifice and his love for us. It's a chance for us to dig deeper than where we've been on the surface level. And in our first week, Claire Marie so beautifully taught us on God's wrath. She taught us that God's wrath is not our wrath. Quincy talked about gluttony, how heavy is your heart. And then last week, in a very powerful service, uh, Pastor Mike, he brought up pride. And he talked about pride and Nebuchadnezzar and how Nebuchadnezzar did not heed the warnings of God. And it caused him to fall from a great place. And I really loved how he painted the picture that pride did not just affect Nebuchadnezzar, but it affected those connected to him. That damage can come through us, but it can reach out to our communities, our families, our friends. And so if you haven't been able to watch those, I encourage you to go online and look at them. They were amazing. But today we're going to be looking at envy. And so I want to start with our text, Genesis chapter 4, verses 2 through 8. And I believe it will be up there for you. I'm going to go ahead and read. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. He looked sad. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is, sorry, did I read that wrong? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do, that's so weird. If you do what is wrong, is what he's trying to say. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Verse 8 reads, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And today I'd like to lift up this theme for you, envy, the great divider. Envy, the great divider. And I'm going to assume the posture of prayer and pray us in this morning. God, we just thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for how you've already shown up for us. But today I'm asking that you will touch those who have been in agony who have been in pain, who have been simply miserable. They don't feel happy. They don't feel joy. They don't feel that there's anything to be thankful for. They've just been sad. God, I pray that you meet them where they are. 
not feeling the need to change, not feeling the need to rush and put on a smile, but meet them right there where they are, God. Remind us why sin separates us from you. Remind us why your son had to die in our place so that even in our sadness, we can have something to look forward to. God, we thank you for what you're going to do. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for how you've met us and how you're going to continue to meet us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to start by answering this question, what is envy? The definition of envy is when it hurts to see someone prosper. Envy is when it hurts to see someone prosper. And envy will always involve an envier and a rival. And today I would like us to put ourselves in the position of the envier. Because it's easy to imagine someone being envious of you. It's easier to say, I am the rival versus I have a rival. And so for our time today, I would like you to put yourselves in that uncomfortable position of being the envier. And usually this rival, this person that has something that it's hurting us to see them have is not a stranger, but it's typically someone that is close to us, someone that we know well enough. And when we talk about envy hurts, that means that we feel sad, sorrow, distress, discomfort. We're uncomfortable. Overall, it's a literally unpleasant feeling. And it spurs up like a reflux or like a reaction. And although envy is not the greatest of the seven deadly sins, it is the only one that gives us no pleasure at all. Not even fake or temporary satisfaction. It causes nothing but pain and sorrow. And at the tail end of that, of that definition I give you, it says it hurts to see someone prosper. Well, what does that look like? It could be someone having a material possession. They got a new car. They got a new house. It could be someone that has a, a talent or a skill. They're an excellent golfer or a great communicator, a good piano player. It could be a trait. They're confident, smart, beautiful, charming. They're prosperous. They're successful. It's something that is, seems good to us. We want that. And quickly, I want to address two common misconceptions about envy. The first is that envy is not the same as ambition or aspiration to be like someone or have something they have. So simply stated, it is not envious of me to look up to another person. If I say that I really love the way Ruben plays that piano and I'm going to work hard to be a good piano player like him or even better, that's not bad. Second, envy and jealousy are not the same. Modern philosophers agree on that. Psychologists agree on that. And the Bible even agrees on that. Envy and jealousy are not the same. Envy is concerned with getting something that we don't have. Jealousy is when it hurts to potentially be losing something that we already have. Jealousy can be good or bad. Jealousy is sometimes excessively possessive. That's bad. And at other times, it comes from a loving and caring place about someone or something. That's good. And the Bible describes God as jealous in several passages, perhaps one of the most familiar being in the Ten Commandments. 
And what does it mean when they say that God is jealous? God's jealousy seeks to protect a relationship or to avenge it when it is broken. God is jealous for the devotion, wholeheartedness, loyalty, and love from us, his people. But God never envies. So whereas jealousy is good or bad, envy is always bad. And so now that we have a better understanding of what envy is and is not, let's look at how it shows up in our everyday lives. I'm going to give us a few scenarios, some questions. When you've witnessed the success of your spouse or a sister or brother friend, was your initial reaction to scoff? Did you belittle their accomplishments with jokes or poking fun? When you learned that something bad happened to your rival, did you go to pick up the phone and call them to text them, saying that you're checking in on them, but really on the other side, you're taking delight in seeing them suffer? You're taking pleasure in their pain. When you just learn that your friend is pregnant and you've been trying to conceive for years or months now, did you lash out? Did you block her on social media? Did you downplay her, her pregnancy or skip her baby shower? When the coworker with less education or skills than you becomes a rising star in the company, did you gossip about him? Attempting to highlight his faults? and downplay the goods? Did you distance yourself from them? Can't look them in the eyes. Don't want to sit in meetings with them. You got something to say right after the meeting is over. My little Atlanta came out there. Sometimes y'all hear it. I hope I'm painting the picture, but if not, here's one more example. More relevant to our culture today, it's called social media envy. When you were doing your late night scroll last night, and not your late night stroll, see what I did there? When you were doing your late night scroll on social media, and that job announcement popped up, or that marriage proposal came up, or you saw someone getting that new business, how did it make you feel? Or did, the, or did just the appearance of someone's happiness bring you sadness? We don't know if they're really happy. It just looks as if they're happy, and that makes me sad. Maybe you didn't recognize it at the time, but you're realizing now that some relationships were ruined because of envy. Your faith has been stagnant, and your relationship with God is not the same because of envy, the great divider. If you found yourself identifying with one of these and you're sadly realizing the envy, um, the role envy has played in your life, then I want you to know you're not alone. Envy and envious people are found all throughout the Bible. And for the sake of time, I'll read one passage that speaks about envy. But in this passage, we're going to see a list of vices, which you can find in multiple places in the Bible. And every time there's a list of these vices, these sins, these bad things, envy It's on the list every time. And so Galatians 5, 19 and 21 says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
There's plenty of warnings in the Bible about how envy will divide us and destroy us. And that's the same with all sin. We see that Leah and Rachel envied each other. Joseph was envied by his brothers. Jacob envied Esau. And in the story that we read this morning, Cain envied Abel. So let's take a closer look at our passage from this morning. It's a very familiar passage for many of us, I'm sure. Cain and Abel were the children of Adam and Eve, Cain being the older brother of Abel. Now, Cain was a farmer and Abel was a shepherd. Each of them, in our passage where we're talking about this morning, each of them were giving a gift to God. And these gifts are thought to be an expression of gratitude to God for his generosity to his people. And although nothing indicates that God requested these gifts, he did approve of them as an expression of thankfulness. So it was right that Cain brought a gift of produce from his farm. And it was right that Abel brought meat from his flock. See, God approved of Abel and his gift, but he denied Cain and his gift. Now, growing up, I taught children's church from like the age of 11 or 12 to 18. If you talk to my grandma, she's going to tell you seven or nine. Ignore her because I was not seven years old teaching children's church. But I taught children's church from about the age of 11 to 12 until I was 18 and went off to college. And I had to recreate and recraft and make these Bible stories a lot of fun. And I would teach Kate and Abel to the kids. And I, I have majority boys, cousins, honestly. And it was easy for them to relate to Cain and Abel because the story of their relationship. And what I taught them and what I was taught was that the issue was that Cain should have tried to get a gift like Abel had a gift. That if Cain had got the better gift of the meat, then maybe God would have looked at him with approval. But I was mistaken. It wasn't about what was given, but how it was given. See, gratitude cannot be expressed when the gift is given reluctantly, which is likely the case with Cain. God asked Cain, if you do the right thing, won't I accept you? If you just gave with gratitude, I'm going to accept you. But if you continue to do wrong, sin is waiting for you. And as we saw at the end of our passage, instead of taking God's words and warning to heart, Cain went and killed Abel. See, what is the problem with envy? Envy is the opposite of all we're called to do and be. The story of Cain and Abel is a riveting example of envy because like all of us who envy, Cain was under this illusion that the misfortune and ultimately the death of his brother would somehow make him feel better. That once you got what your rival has, once I got that job, that promotion, that car, once I got that charm, that beauty, once I can play the piano like them and take it away from them, then all of a sudden I'll be successful, respected, I'll be praised, I'll be satisfied. But my brothers and sisters, if we don't learn to be content with what we have, we'll never be satisfied whether something belongs to us or someone else. If Cain thought that he would be satisfied from killing his brother, he was gravely mistaken because he was cursed, never able to reap good crops again, wandering the earth forever. See, Cain exemplifies what happens to us when we allow envy to fester within us. We lash out. We hurt others. We hurt ourselves and we hurt God. Envy, the great divider. 
Cain no longer saw Abel as his brother, but instead Abel, his greatest rival. Envy shifted his mind that no longer did he see himself as the older brother, the one who should protect, the one who should comfort, the one who should lead, but instead he saw Abel as nothing, as less than, my rival, my enemy. Why is it important that we sift envy out within us? I just told you and I want to tell you again because it is the exact opposite of what we're called to do and be. Scripture says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. But envy says weep at those who rejoice and rejoice at those who weep. Psalms 118 says this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. But envy robs our joy saying what is there to rejoice about when we still don't have that thing? Jesus tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves, but envy whispers that he or she is not our our neighbor, but our rival. The problem with envy is that it leads to more sin, coveting, unhealthy comparison, discontentment, resentment, longing, and hatred. The exact opposite of what we're called to be. If you don't believe me, then let's turn back to scripture and look at the opposite of those vices we listed earlier in Galatians. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Envy is the opposite of these. It is not kind. It is ungrateful. It is discontent. It is not generous. It does not love. My brothers and sisters, this is the problem with envy. And when I say that envy is the great divider, I don't mean great like it's, it's good, great because they're worthy. I mean great because of the magnitude. Yeah. Envy will divide our relationships with our brothers and our sisters. Envy will destroy communities, churches, families, neighborhoods. Envy comes in to divide who we are and who we think we need to be. I now question why God gave me these skills, or I don't even notice the skills I have because I'm so busy wanting what someone else has. And like all sin, envy seeks to divide us from God. But remember, there was once division between us and God due to our sin. And I want to read Genesis 4-7 again. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. This is God telling Cain that he had to master sin. Well, we see how good that when he failed miserably, he could not master sin. You and I cannot master sin. That is why Jesus had to come and stand in the place of us. So now he stands in front of Cain as the gift. Cain no longer has to bring a physical gift because Jesus became the free gift in place of us. And Uncle Reuben, sorry, I call him Uncle Reuben. I'm almost done so you could uh, come back to the piano. I don't know where he is. He might have snuck out. There's plenty of piano players in here, though, so y'all can take his place till he comes. <laughs> so at this point in our text, he, Jesus hadn't died and left the Holy Spirit to work alongside Cain. 
God knew that we would fail. Amen. I'm looking at Quincy or Mike like, um, okay, so which one of y'all getting up? made a mistake myself now. (laughs) Envy, the great divider. Envying others and the envy that has taken control of our lives is costing us so much. When I was on my way here, I could feel the misery I could feel the sadness. There are certain people whose presence you can't be in because it bothers you so much to see what they have that you feel like you lack. See, here's the other problem with envy. It sprouts in our hearts. It makes us feel as if there's something inadequate about me. When I'm looking at my rival and what they have, and I become sad and uncomfortable and distraught, it's because I believe that there's something wrong with me. Something is missing in me. I'm not good enough the way I am. Envy has divided so many of our families. And see, the tough thing about envy that I kept reading over and over is that when you start to go and and ask yourself, am I envious? Do I envy other people? Your natural response is to deny it, which makes envy worse because then we suppress it. And personally, when I started doing this research a month ago, the first question I asked myself was, do I envy anyone? And I was like, no, I don't. I kept going through scenarios, and I was like, that's not envy. I just, you know. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. Your girl struggles with envy. And I'm going to share with you what I envy. I envy freedom. I'm in a tough season with three kids and working full time and Quincy's in his PhD program. So when I see people without kids or I see my single friends out there getting to travel and skipping and hopping around the world, I am I am so upset. It changes my whole mood. I'm frustrated. My kids bother me. Well, they bother me without it, but Quincy laughs. I'm just saying. But they bother me more when I'm mad that I got to watch them. And I can't hop on a plane. I can't buy a solo ticket anymore. I got to worry about diapers and, and extra seats and juices too. So now we got to pay for him. My God, I know Mike understands. He got five kids. Child. But that one is, that, that, that envy does affect me, but that doesn't affect me as this next one. And it's such a vulnerable thing for me to share. So y'all just have to bear with me. I really envy relationships. I have a really big family. And you would think that 
with six aunts and six uncles and a grandmother and a grandfather and growing up in church with all these Christian values and principles that I'd be able to pick up the phone and call and say, Auntie, can I get this advice? Dad, I just want to talk to you. I can't do that. So when I see people like, and, I, and I'm not saying that I've done this to y'all, but I just want to use them as an example. When I see people like Uncle Reuben and Mama Angela, there's the tissue. I've been looking for tissue for a couple weeks now. <laughs> when I see people like Uncle Reuben and Mama Angela and their, their mother and son, if you don't know, and I see their relationship and how she's able to be in our presence and we're able to laugh and joke and just be ourselves. I'm going to be honest with y'all. And I, and I honestly, my family might be watching, but I have to say when I'm around my family, I'm not myself. I cower. I hide in shame. I don't want to be myself. I don't feel like myself. So when I'm doing my late night social media scroll and I see my old best friend from college with her new friend and I'm still over here like... <sighs> I am sad. I am hurting. It makes me feel like I have to work harder at something else and I get into overdrive and then I start trying to fix my life and do something else to just make me feel better. Let me feel like I have some kind of worth again. But the problem that I realized is that as I'm watching all these people have the things that I think I should have, I neglect what I do. I neglect stepping back and doing the opposite of envy, which is gratitude and being grateful that I have a cocoa. It's such a disservice to God for me to look at what I don't have when I have a brandy. When I have a pastor, Mike, I've never had a pastor who loves and who cares as much as Mike does. What do I have to envy? There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. And I'm going to ask you all to stand. And I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward. And I want to I want to close on this note. As I mentioned, Jesus stood in front of us. John Wick just came out, so I'm going to use this analogy. He stood in front of us to take the bullet. He stood in front of us to take the pain and the envy and the hurt. That we now have no reason to envy. Because who in here envies a God who is crowned with thorns? beaten, mocked, ridiculed, nailed to a cross, all to die. I'm going to say it again. Who in here envies a God who is crowned with thorns, beaten, mocked, ridiculed, nailed to the cross, all to die for the very people whose envy put him on the cross? I don't envy that. I have no reason to envy now that Christ has died for me. 
sin is already defeated. That divide that was between us and God has already been closed by the work of Jesus. And what envy tries to do is make it seem as if he can squeeze his way back in, but nothing can separate us now from the love of God. So when envy tries to spear up his head, we now, through the power of Jesus, have the ability to say, enemy, we rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I have no reason to envy. I have all that I need. I can be content whether I'm in suffering or whether I'm in joy. I can be content whether I'm in the valley or whether I'm at the mountain. Envy has no place in my life. I have a Jesus who made me. I have a God who saw me in my mother's womb. I'm not missing anything. I'm not lacking anything. I don't need to covet for what they have. I have what I need. What I need to do is step from a place of watching what everyone else has and looking at what I have to stand in gratitude. That's why I thought it was so amazing that Subi this morning had to start with thanking God. God, I thank you for my house. God, I thank you for my children. God, I thank you for the relationships that I have. God, I thank you for the difference I can make with what you've given me. God, I thank you that I am strong, that I am capable, that I am beautiful, that I am determined. Whatever it is that you have, begin to thank God for it. Gratitude is the opposite of envy. I want to open up the altar, but I want to open up the altar for some very specific requests. First, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, our prayer team is here. These women are powerful. I know what y'all are going through.